Today is Monday, September 30th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 334, featuring Heavy.com NBA writer Sean Devaney, is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. All right. Well, we're back, right? Celtics Media Day is today, but we're going to spend more time on that a little bit later in the week because there's some other stuff that we need to just kind of put a bow on in this show, including the Kyrie Irving era in Boston now that that is over, as we know, and one of the newest Brooklyn Nets has finally spoken with the media for the first time since his signing all these months later. Nets Already praising his leadership, too. We've seen it out on the court already in these pickup games. You know, the leadership, the work ethic, and the competitive nature that he has brought to the group has been been terrific. Thank you, Sean Marks. I can only imagine how much that makes Celtics fans just cringe. I had posted that on Twitter and started to get reply after reply like, are they talking about the same guy that we saw the last couple of years? Or replies like, sure, honeymoon period. <laughs> Give it a couple of months. Wait till the first four-game losing streak and all, all these different things. Kyrie will show his true colors. That is the way that he has left Boston Celtics fans feeling. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to get into some of the big stories facing the green because the preseason does tip on Sunday, less than a week away against Kemba Walker's old Hornets team. If you're into gambling, plenty of NBA odds and betting coming your way a little bit later in the show with Bet Online's Dave Mason. But first, let's bring in Sean Devaney here to help me out. Sean, uh, last time you were here, you yourself had just entered free agency, but you have since signed on heavy.com and, uh, you know, knew you wouldn't be looking long. Yeah, yeah, it's a real good opportunity. It's a uh, it's an outlet that is looking to bolster its sports uh, uh, presence, and uh, uh, I was happy to get in sort of on the ground floor, and we've been building it up uh, uh, over the course of the summer and very excited about uh, uh, about starting this year. That's awesome. Obviously, I'm I'm excited for you. Always enjoy having your NBA insights, having Thanks, you be Adam. part I, of this show. I, and I appreciate that, Adam. He also, as as it concerns the Celtics, broke some news regarding Jalen Brown. We're going to do that in a little while. But let's begin with Kyrie Irving because, like I said, plenty of C's fans just still angry with the guy. It's all over social media. It, it comes out any time that his name comes up, let alone him opening his mouth. And people need closure. I don't think this show is going to bring them closure, but I think, you know, a lot of people still do need it. And uh, Boston Globe's Adam Himmelsbach was in Brooklyn for Irving's 20-minute presser, which was back on Friday. The guard was only asked a handful of questions because he just blabbered on so damn much with each rambly answer as he tends to do. We got used to that here or, or people who remember him from Cleveland. It's, you know, same old Kyrie. It's never really changed. I'm going to give you one of those answers. The only question that was directly about Boston and that came from Himmelsbach, it was what led you to leave Boston after committing to stay last October. Sean, it was a four-minute answer. It was a four-minute answer. We're yeah. going to listen to Every single second of it. So, you know, for people listening, fast forward if you've already heard it or just grin and bear it with us because we're going to we're going to hear it fresh and we're going to react. Here we go. I think around that time, it felt incredible in terms of the energy that we were building, um, especially for the future in Boston. It was something that I, I couldn't really explain at the time because, you know, personally, I don't think I was acknowledging the things that were surrounding my life as well. Um, and how to lead this group of guys that I've been traded to, that I have, I wasn't drafted by Boston. I had no type of affiliation with Boston before I left Cleveland. There weren't any works, anything that happened. Boston was a surprise team with Wick and Danny that took the chance on trading for me. And when they did, and the way our first season happened, and then also the way the end of the season happened, and having so much youth and so much exuberance and goals set personally, I think that some of the actual knowledge that needed to be had in terms of being a championship team takes more than just two years. It takes more than just an environment that you feel just comfortable in. Hey, you know, I think I want to resign here if you guys have me. Boston crowd was immense. It was crazy. They loved me in Boston. I loved the Boston fans. And then two weeks later, things just got really, really rocky for me in terms of when I left for, I believe you know, after the Phoenix game, I went to my grandfather's memorial, and he passed on October 23rd, and after he passed, basketball was the last thing on my mind. So a lot of basketball and the joy I had from it was sucked away from me, and there was a facial expression that I carried around with me throughout the year 
didn't allow anyone to get close to me in that instance, and it really bothered me. And um, I didn't take, uh, you know, the necessary steps to get counseling or get therapy or anything to deal with someone that close to me dying. I've never dealt with anything like that. So for me, I responded in ways that are uncharacteristic. And like I said, I had to acknowledge that fact. And I had to acknowledge that fact to the organization first because that was our internal bond and trust that we had. I talked to Danny. I wanted to resign. So throughout the year, it started becoming more and more clear that my relationships within my home life have way higher precedent than the organization or anyone. And I barely got a chance to talk to my grandfather before he passed from playing basketball. So you tell me if you would want to go to work every single day, knowing that you just lost somebody close to you, doing a job every single day that everyone from the outside or anyone internally is protecting you for. Like, hey, just keep being a basketball player. So throughout that year, it just became rocky, and a lot of the battles that I thought I could battle through in the team environment, I just wasn't ready for. And I failed those guys in a sense that I didn't give them everything that I could have during that season, especially with the amount of pieces that we had. So my relationships with them personally were great, but in terms of me being a leader in that environment and bringing everyone together, I failed. So, you know, for me, it's like a, it's just a huge learning experience just to slow down and acknowledge that I'm human in all this. And then also take my steps going forward of reaching out to Danny and talking to those guys in Wick and reaching out to them and letting them know, hey, look, basketball can end tomorrow. I care about you guys as a human being. I know this is a competitive environment, but let's move past this and let's go forward. Marcus, Terry, all those guys just want to be great. You know, we were all internally trying to be great. And I don't think we were trying to be great as a team to meet at the top. And that happens in team environments all the time, whether people want to admit it or not. There are personal goals that everyone has, family, friends, media, telling everyone, hey, you need to be doing this, you need to be doing that. In actuality, none of that crap matters. So everyone has a role to play, and you see the most experienced teams end up winning the championship because they all buy in and sacrifice. It's usually the oldest teams in the league that make it there every single year because they don't have to deal with the same youthful expectations that are unrealistic for players that really have to earn different things in this league to be at that level. So, including myself. Okay. So, let's yeah, let's let's digest all of that. He said that and of course you get real-time reaction on social media and and there were a zillion reactions out there. And and I think if I were to boil it down to the most common few that people were coming at me with after I posted that video, there was on one end of the spectrum, you know Kyrie I was upset before, but good for you. You finally took accountability. You finally said that you failed. You finally said that you weren't the leader that you always claimed to be and needed to be. And and let's just all move on. Let's put this behind us. Then there you had the, all right, all the stuff I just said, but, you know, too little too late. If you just said that stuff at the time, if you'd mentioned your grandfather at the time, if we knew you were going through something, maybe we would have been a, a little less hard on you. And it just, it, it doesn't matter now. It can't be water under the bridge because I just have so much pent up anger with you. That is not going to help me right now. I wish I'd known at the time I would have felt better. So you had those couple, but then you had the other end of the spectrum, which was felt like a shield. You're making excuses. You're talking about why you effectively mailed things in last season and, and kind of not tank the season. You had a good year, but but you weren't nearly what you promised you would be. And, and you're using the death of your grandfather as an excuse. That was another reaction that I saw out there. And kind of ev- everywhere in between, all the while, toward the end of that four-minute cut, sort of calling out his old teammates again for the fact that mm-hmm. there was selfishness and there wasn't enough buy-in and they didn't have the makeup of a championship team. So you had every little thing in there in, crammed into four minutes. It, it was really the Kyrie Irving experience, all just within <laughs> those four minutes. What was your main takeaway? Yeah, I, I mean, certainly, look, if, if, if a guy's grandfather passes away and that affects him uh, and the job he does, then, you know, obviously you, you, you say, okay, that's, that's, that's reasonable. I'm not cynical enough, I guess, to think that 
that that that uh, you would use that as a shield that anybody would use the death of somebody they were close to as a shield that uh, uh, that he was being legitimate with that. Uh, but I, you know, it's the second part, the last thing you said that that really stuck with me, and that is that after saying all that, he still went on about experience level, and they weren't old enough. You know, it's the oldest teams, uh, and 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 personal agendas. You know, he 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 didn't phrase it that that way, but that's pretty much what he was saying. Is is the young guys had personal agendas that and, and weren't willing to sacrifice. Uh, so even after saying I failed these guys, he still turned around and said, uh, "But but really they failed." <laughs> yeah, you they know, they failed really me too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it, it did sort of ring hollow that way. Um, and you know, look, if if you're the Nets, you know, you have to come. If you're Sean Marks, you have to say the things that Sean Marks said, and you have to say them enough that you almost will them into existence. That's what general managers <laughs> do that all the time. <laughs> they'll, they'll they'll have a player, and and they want him to be a certain way, and they'll just say it uh, as if they can kind of will that into existence. Uh, and I think that's where the Nets are right now with Kyrie is just 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 hoping that they're getting the player uh, that the Celtics thought they were getting, uh, but uh, but. But you know, like you said, with the the answer that he gave to that question was was pretty unsatisfying. Not for the grandfather part for me, but for the part that at the end he still threw the young players under the bus. And unfortunately, it's it's that part of the answer that makes you wonder. In a perfect world, where obviously because you don't wish tragedy upon anybody, in a perfect world where his grandfather doesn't pass away, if things would have just gone south anyway, because ultimately. That was his mindset about his teammates and about what was going on within that locker room. And, and you know, you read some of the various stories and you've written about over the last months uh, about his relationship with Brad Stevens. And it was never quite as eye to eye as as maybe they would have liked us to have believed, at least at, at the beginning. Or maybe it just really fizzled out. Same thing about his relationship with Danny Ainge. And, and who knows, maybe Wick Grosbeck. I, I don't know. It's, you know, it's right. all we can do is speculate, obviously, because that's all we've really been left with it makes you wonder if even if he doesn't endure personal tragedy if it all still lands in the same spot yeah i mean that's it's, it's hypothetical of course but uh, but but you're right i mean look you know what changes in terms of their rotation and the problems that they had with their rotation what changes uh in terms of uh, uh you know certain positions being clogged and and uh, you know Kyrie at times dominating the basketball down the stretch uh to the team's benefit and then doing it down the stretch to the team's detriment, you know, the, we, we saw him, you know, single-handedly win games in the fourth quarter, uh, and then sort of single-handedly kick games in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, does does that change? Does that have anything to do with his grandfather? Really? No, of course not. And 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 you know, the chemistry issues and things like that, those were going to be there no matter what. And him as the leader, him as the number one guy, uh, I just think the, uh, that 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 issue was always going to be there. And again, if you're Brooklyn, that's that's got to be the concern is that uh, uh, you know you've got to make sure uh, the, the young guys that they have that that they've come this far with uh, who you know built this thing up before Kyrie got there uh, that uh, the, that they're on the same page as Kyrie because uh, you know we've seen that that can be uh, uh, such a negative influence uh, uh, with with the Celtics last year and, and certainly the Nets don't want to see that this year. One of the things I wonder too and and I guess you only have the evidence that we witnessed over the last couple of years, and year one was, wasn't was even fair to look at because Gordon Hayward goes down right away, Kyrie gets hurt eventually, and so they have that you know magical run with, at the time, a bunch of role players and budding stars and, and make it to within minutes of the NBA Finals. It's not really a reflection of, of what last year was in terms of just the group. Never mind what happened on the floor, just the group. Is it one of those things where, as a a media person, a fan, a follower, member of the organization, whatever it is, that you just have to kind of accept that, you know, some teams just aren't the right mix. They're just not right the right mix of, of guys, of personalities, and some are some are so talented, like say, you know, the Kobe Shaq Lakers, that you can win in spite of internal clashing, and others just aren't quite there. And it makes me wonder you know, if in fact that was true about the Celtics over, again, mainly last year versus the last couple of years, where Danny Ainge in particular, because he's the one that makes the decisions, where he got it wrong, because it feels like in recent seasons, I mean, s- several of the last, you know, many seasons, going back to the Doc Rivers regime, that he's been able to build rosters of 
very, you know, cohesive teams. Not a lot of infighting. You know, maybe they weren't as good as you wanted them to be. Or oftentimes under Brad Stevens after that, they overachieved until last year. But they weren't these unlikable teams like what we witnessed last year. It makes me wonder just how he got it so wrong in particular with Kyrie Irving. Yeah, you know, and and, and it's almost as if he's been better at, at plucking players uh, who other teams didn't necessarily see the talent in, uh, and, and and finding a role for them, finding a spot for them. You know, Isaiah Thomas being sure. uh, uh, being top of t- top of that list, um, and 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 when you get into picking the superstars who are going to uh, mesh well together, that has not gone nearly as well. Uh, you know, with uh, with Kyrie and Gordon Hayward, um, you know Al Horford, I think was uh, uh, was obviously a success, and and I don't think anybody would complain about the way he, uh, you know, carried himself and 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 what he did for the chemistry. But 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 certainly the big money players that they've that they've tried to bring in uh, haven't necessarily worked out the way that they have uh, with the role players uh, and, uh, and and sort of the lesser guys. Now it's a matter of. What, what are they doing in terms of player development? How are they how are they developing players uh, to fit together? And, and I think that's the next question for this team is, um, you know, you've, you've shown what you can do in terms of plucking free agents from other teams. You've shown that that maybe signing star players and, and bringing in star players, you've shown that there are perils to that. Uh, but the real question now is: is you've got these these young guys uh, on this roster who who need some attention, who need some development, uh, but also need to develop as a team. Can you do that? You know, is 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 that something that uh, uh, that Danny Ainge, Brad Stevens, and and the coaching staff is that is that something they're capable of doing? Uh, if not, then uh, uh, you know, then then the Celtics are looking at uh, you know really wasting all these assets that they've that they've gathered over the last few years. We'll get to those guys, but uh, first let's close the book on on the Kyrie Irving chapter, at least Mm -hmm. for this show anyway, and I'll just ask you this. Do you believe that this Nets experience is going to be a success? I do not. I've I've spoken quite a bit about that. Do you believe that, and I'm not talking about this year, like once Kevin Durant is healthy, once they, they are what they hope to be, will it be successful? No, I don't think so. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, you know, I think that, uh, I think they'll go up a level this year, you know, where, where, uh, they'll, they'll develop and, and maybe even win 50 games. Uh, but, but probably not be a team that you're really that afraid of, uh, in the postseason. You know, I don't think that they're, that they're, uh, uh, a real threat to make the conference finals. Um, you know, I think that, and so if you judge that as a, as a success, 50 wins and, 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 you know, second round in the playoffs, then, uh, then great. I don't think that's what Sean Marks has in mind. Uh, I don't think that's what Kenny Atkinson has in mind. Um, you know, they've got to at least get to the conference finals, I think, in order for this to be successful. And I just don't think that they're one of the uh, uh, best two teams in the East. So uh, I don't think that uh, that that's going to be successful. Durant's going to be coming back from you know, a really tough injury to come back from that Achilles. Uh, and, and he's already been banged up uh, before that. So uh, I think that, that him health-wise – uh, I just don't think he's going to be 100% Kevin Durant, what we've seen in the past. Uh, and I think that's going to be a real issue for them. So um, I think they're going to get back a percentage of Kevin Durant. Um, and then you're going to see some of the issues that we've seen with Kyrie in the past. I think some of those are going to pop up. So, uh, I, I, you know, I think the first year that Kevin Durant comes back, they have a chance to do something. Uh, but I think things will, will, will deteriorate pretty quickly after that. All right, we're going to take a quick break from the show just to tell you, of course, football season's underway. BetOnline.ag, that is the only place that you want to go to cash in on the gridiron this year. We tell you about them all the time. You can bet on every spread, every money line, all the overs, the unders. Take a shot at who is going to win the Super Bowl. Patriots right now, plus 400, even after releasing Antonio Brown. Defense is dominated. Offense has Tom Brady. Bill Belichick's the head coach. That recipe tends to add up to a pretty solid gamble. But Patrick Mahomes and his Chiefs plus 550. Cowboys plus 1200. That might even be your best value right now because Dallas of course looks legit. Don't forget you can make custom player props at betonline.ag as well. Pick any player, any stat during any game. BetOnline will give you a line for it. You can get in on the action today with CLNS's sportsbook partner betonline.ag today. 
get a 50% bonus on your first deposit of $55 or more. Use the promo code CLNS50 to qualify for the bonus. Again, that is CLNS50 at betonline.ag. Now, before we get back to the show, very special treat for you. We don't do this often, so I'm thrilled to be able to do it for you and maybe make you a little money if you happen to like gambling. I want to welcome in Dave Mason. He is BetOnline's sportsbook brand manager. You can find him on Twitter at Dave Mason, B-O-L. Dave, how's it going? Well, you know, right in the middle of football season, we got hockey right around the corner, uh, MLB playoffs right around the corner, and uh, NBA, of course, <laughs> breathing down our necks. So, so you're busy uh, is what you're saying. One of the best. Yeah, it's one of the best times of the year in this industry. You know, in a few weeks, it'll be one of the only times where all four sports are are, are taking place at the same time. So that's always an exciting week or two. But yeah, yeah real busy, but I love it. Uh, it's a great time, and it's fun for me just to follow it as well. But let's talk about betting and, and of course, zero it in on the Celtics and the NBA for a few minutes here with some of the lines that your group has available. Now, regular season wins. I was looking at this. You can bet the over or the under. Either way, it's minus 110. The line is 48.5, so pretty much on par with where the team finished last year. But I'm surprised to see there's no advantage going one way or the other. Yeah, me neither. I mean, the action is pretty um, pretty even. Now, last year, I mean, the betters were very pro-Celtics last year. The, the, uh, whether it was the win total or the um, you know odds to win it all, I think they were our biggest expo- second biggest exposure hmm. last year. Um, there was a lot of so hype. <laughs> it, it, yeah, there was a lot of hype. There's a lot more optimism, I think, in yeah. Boston for, with last year's team compared to this year's team. But, yeah, I mean – I, I'm a little surprised about that number. I thought it would be a little bit lower, to tell you the truth. I, I was thinking about 46.5 there. there, But the action is pretty even on, on both sides. The betters are kind of split, you know. Um, a lot of time on these kind of props, we got uh, a lot of uneven action, which which juices up one side or the other side. But that's not the case with the Celtics this year. Yep, we're at 48.5 and minus 110 each side. Celts do have the second-best odds to win the Atlantic behind, naturally, the Sixers. That makes sense. I mean, we constantly talk about Sixers and Bucks being the favorites to come out of the East. But Philadelphia, minus 150, Boston, plus 350. And then if you want to factor in Brooklyn, Toronto, plus 600. I don't think anyone's really given either of them a chance to win much of anything, much less the division. But, you know, do you like this gamble for the Seas, or is it just such a a foregone conclusion the Sixers are going to win the division that doesn't make sense? I do like that, man. I, I, I really do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a little secret. I'm a silly guy. So I'm a Sixers fan. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm, in, I'm, in, um, I'm in enemy territory right here. Yeah, so right. I'm watching enemy my back as I speak. But, <laughs> but you know, I, as, a, as a gambling guy, an odds guy, um, I do like the Celtics at that value. I mean, you know, you're looking at their, you know, getting ready at Irving. I mean, that could, sure is a hell of a talent, but I think it could be a little addition by subtraction there. And, uh, you know, I right. like the starting lineup. You know, it, it's, I think they're just going to surprise people this year. I, I think, uh, you know, it, it, they could go either way. But I, 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 at plus 350, I think that's good value. I really do. I, I, if, I, if I were, you know, I don't book this action. I just represent the company. Right. But if I, if I were making odds myself, I would put that down a plus 275 or so so whenever you get a better number than you think um you know that's good value to me you know what i mean it doesn't mean it's going to play out that way but uh i I like the value there i I really do as for just making the playoffs too boston's minus 600 and plus 500 to miss so i mean i guess lay the money on no if you really think the seas are going to be that bad but i don't think there's even a chance of them falling outside the top eight in the east yeah, and that that those odds speak a lot about uh, volume for for the East, right? You know, the East has some really good teams at the top, but it's not like the West. If it's the West, if they're playing in the West, those odds are down a lot more. But the East, I mean, come on, you know, it's I, you know, you got the Bucks and the Sixers. They're pretty much no brainers, barring any injuries, which you can't always, you know, especially with the Sixers and Embiid, you can't, you, you don't know what's going on there. Then after that, Celtics. I mean, Nets. Sure, they were surprised last year, but they're not going to be ready to rock till next year. So, I mean, Raptors, well, they take a big step back. We all know that. Um, and after that, it's the Pacers and Heat type of teams. I mean, you know. Yeah, everyone's pretty much in the same tier from three yeah, down for a little while. So, yeah, so Celtics are in that, you know, second tier of the East, right? You know, the, you got the Bucks and the 76ers up top, and then the Celtics, and I have them in my second tier, and then, then Nets right after them. So, 
Yeah, so, stuff would it would have to go horribly wrong up there in Boston for them not to make the playoffs. I'm more talking injuries or, or or something crazy happening because the East just is not deep enough for them not to be you know 500 records going to make it in the playoffs. Maybe even a little bit below 500 record possibly. Yeah, and obviously speaks to why the Celtics have the third best chances to come out of the conference and and represent in the NBA Finals plus 800. But you know, as far as actually winning a championship, which again, nobody really expects this year and everyone thought was a possibility last season, you hit on that. It's plus 1600 just taking a look at this. So, I mean, is there value in that or is it just kind of a little bit too crazy? Ah, man, you know, I, I don't know if there's any value there. To me, there's not. Um, the value bet to me, again, is, is, is to win the Atlantic. Um, that, that West is just so tough. I mean, you know, the Celtics are going to, like I said, the two, team, the two teams in the East, they're better than them now. Of course, again, that can all change. And then right. you get through the East, and, and there, there's juggernaut of teams there. You know, both L.A. teams, um, Rockets team, can't count them out. So, I I don't know. I, I would like. I, I would buy it if it was more like closer to twenty to one. I, th- I think that'd be a purchase for me. But uh, sixteen to one, I, I, I stand. I'd hold off a little bit on that one. I, you know, I don't think that number is going to go. You know, it's going to go to twelve to one or ten to one. I think. I think he can hold off there a little bit and see how the season starts. I'm glad you mentioned the West because I've been trumpeting that I don't think the Lakers really have all that great a roster it's it's a two-headed monster there LeBron James and yeah. Anthony Davis but after that there's you know kind of a, a lot of crap and you guys have the Lakers at plus 500 that's second the Clippers overall tied with the Bucks. is it just the LeBron James factor well a couple things um you know they they do have talent they have top heavy talent you know they got they got you know the they had a few good players at the top, a couple great players and another good player, but then a bunch of role players. Um, you know, one thing with these futures that sometimes dictates these futures odds where it doesn't dictate a spread too much um, is public action. A ton, a ton, a ton of public action came in on the Lakers mm. a few months back with when – uh, Davis signed and all the rumors. I mean, that that was just crazy. It was a crazy off season. Well, people Tons probably trying to get in ahead of time in the event they landed Kawhi exactly. Leonard, right? Exactly. Um, so a ton of action came in the Lakers. People thought they were getting Leonard. Um, the David. We got two flurries of cash there on the Lakers when the odds opened. We got the flurry of cash when they're the, the Davis first is rumors, and then it happened. More, even more cash came in. Then when everybody thought Leonard was going there, even more cash came in. So we got a big red figure on the Lakers. I mean, we're, so we're going to have the, their odds down a little bit lower than maybe they should be, um, just for some risk management, um, you know, just to minimize the loss on that. Now that that actually will probably get balanced out over the course of the season, but right now it's a pretty big red figure. So you know, we're we're, we're going to finagle the odds a little bit based on that. Let's wrap up here with MVP odds because, uh, to no surprise, I don't think Giannis Antetokounmpo, he's the favorite, plus 350. But there are a couple Celtics that are on the list. Long odds, but they're on the list. Kemba Walker, who you alluded to replacing Kyrie Irving, he's plus 6,600 for anyone interested. And then Jason Tatum, who is is really in line for a great bounce-back year, I think he's going to be an all-star, he's plus plus 10,000, you know. (laughs) So there's, you know, that's that's a... uh, Supreme odds. I don't think I'd go anywhere near it, despite obviously the uh, right. you know the potential return there. But if if anything speaks to not having a chance, it's when you have plus ten thousand next to your name. But how do you <laughs> how do you feel about these Celtics being in this category? Yeah, well, I think the odds are right. You know, I mean, there's just so many so many studs at the top of that MVP list. You know, I mean, a lot of it will be have to depend on the, on the, how the Celtics do this year. You know, if 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 they do win the East, um, you know, they're one of the top teams. They surprise and they're, you know, they overtake the the, the other two teams in the East and they're they're one of the best teams in the East. And if not the NBA, sure, the value on those bets go up substantially as long as both players do their thing. But man, it's it's just hard to bet against some of the studs at the top of this board. You know, um, Greek Freak, like you said, what he does plus three fifty. He's only going to get better. Stephen Curry can't pass. Can't forget about him. Plus five hundred. <laughs> Davis seven hundred. James Harden plus eight hundred. 
LeBron plus nine hundred, Leonard plus a thousand. I, I mean, he, he, those guys have a lot of studs to uh, to, to catapult to, to, to become the uh, winner there. Dave Mason is Bet Online Sportsbook brand manager. Dave, really appreciate you taking the time with us. Thank you so much. Thanks to our friends at BetOnline.ag, we will constantly hear from them and talk about them. In the meantime, let's get back to the show. All right, let's zero in on the C's. You broke the story. Jalen Brown is unlikely to reach a contract extension with the Celtics before the October 21st deadline. Personally, and I think we've spoken about this, I never expected him to anyway for a, a variety of reasons, as you noted in your piece. Most significantly, it's not Danny Ainge's style. You know, there's there's no real track record of it. It happened with Rajon Rondo in 2009. Hasn't happened since. No real discussions with Jared Selinger or Kelly Olynyk. No significant progress with Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart. Could have gotten there. He gambled on himself, ultimately signed, but it wasn't then. It was when he was a restricted free agent, which is the path that it seems Jalen is is heading down. How will this play out, do you think? Yeah, you know, and I think the Smart uh, example is uh, is a good one because it, it it shows why the Celtics take this approach. You know, where where Smart wanted, I forget what it was, but it was something like four years and and seventy or eighty million. You know, he wanted a lot, uh, and the Celtics were more like four years and uh, and forty eight million. He winds up with four years and fifty two. He was much closer to where where right. the Celtics uh, uh, had him than uh, uh, than where Marcus Smart had him. So uh, you know, the Celtics will always look at that as a win of course you keep the players rights a lot of people on twitter don't seem to understand that that uh, you know if you don't resign him now uh, it's okay you still have his rights uh, you can match any offer in the summer uh, and uh, uh, and they'll be able to do that the problem for them and, and why it would be a gamble and why you might consider uh, giving him something less than uh, uh, less than a max contract now is that maybe he'd get a max contract next summer. Now you look at Jalen Brown's numbers and you don't say those are max max contract numbers, uh, but there are a lot of teams that uh, uh, that are going to have cap space. There are a lot of teams that are going to uh, uh, a lot of bad teams that are going to have cap space. Uh, a lot of rebuilding teams that are going to have cap space. Um, and, 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 you know, even a team like Toronto, uh, should have cap space and, and, and they've got a nice base of young players, uh, and Jalen Brown would fit well there. So he could get a significant offer, uh, this summer, even if he stays in the, in the 13.6 rebound range, uh, playing good defense, he could still get. Uh, you know, something, uh, you know, 25 million a year or something in that range uh, from a team that uh, uh, that is looking to take a chance. And, and, and there's not a whole lot of free agents out there this summer. It's, it's, it's a much, much drier summer, certainly than what we just had. Uh, and, uh, and and that's something that uh, uh, that Jalen Brown could take advantage of. So, you know, that's 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 where the Celtics have to be careful uh, is that if they really want to keep this guy, uh, they've got to understand that uh, that there's probably a, a significant offer out there for him uh, next summer. However, I think they're willing to take that chance, and that's what they'll do. That uh, almost last part that you mentioned, Sean, is is where I was going to interject, but I I was confident that you were going to get there. The you know the fact that it's it's really a, a two pronged process. The one, like you said, that all these teams are going to have cap space, but as significant as that is that. It's it's such a depleted market. You know, we keep talking about the 2021 free agent class and, and how many big stars there are going to be there. 2020 summer, it's not all that interesting. It's not all that appealing. And so Jalen Brown probably will, as you said, have, have all these offers come in his way to field if, in fact, he's available and, and doesn't have to take that big step forward. And so it just, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's a tough decision just on the whole for Danny Ainge, because he, as as he always talks about, you know, he, Mike Zara, and others, they need to be thinking a few years down the line. And for them, you know, in, in a few years, we, we talked about this in our last show, there are only two guys, really, in addition to the rookies anyway, two guys, you know, Kemba Walker and, and Marcus Smart, that are, are guys that are going to be on the roster as of right now in a few seasons, meaning there are big decisions coming down the pike here for – Tatum for Hayward for obviously Brown and and these are also guys that play similar positions you know and and even if you re-sign them all for what would be a boatload of money in a couple of years that not isn't necessarily a, a championship winning roster so you know I, I don't know what direction Danny goes with this one well I think that in the end 
uh, you're right that 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 it's it's they're not going to have this core uh, as it's as the long term solution to things that that you just can't the way positionally uh, you know it, it is muddled and 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 they need better uh, you know better definition in their roles and such uh, but I also think. The notion of just letting Jalen Brown leave, uh, I don't think that's happening either. You know, I really think that that he's just too good of an asset. And if somebody wants to pay him, uh, you know, let's say a four-year, $100 million contract, I think if you're Danny Ainge, you match that knowing that, that, that he's 23 and you'll still be able to trade him. That's not an albatross contract. That's not something you can't get rid of. Uh, so, you know, as in terms of uh, just in terms of an asset, uh, I think you still want to keep him, even if uh, uh, even if he some team is out there willing to pay him uh, more than you are. Uh, well, at the very least, you know there's a team that's willing to to take that contract if when you trade it later on. Um, you know that's 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 going to be something I think that the Celtics will have to consider is uh, uh, if they're if they're if they're going to move on from Jalen Brown, you've got to get something back from him. You just can't let him walk in restricted free agency. So you mentioned it right there. What do you think the chances are that Jalen Brown is traded? I don't think he'll be traded before the summer. I, I, I'd be surprised if they if they did that. I do think they want to see uh, what he does with this season. Uh, they want to see uh, uh, certainly what Gordon Hayward does. You know, if you go ahead and trade him and then Hayward doesn't make much progress after last year, uh, then then you're 0 for 2. Uh, and uh, and that's no good. Um, you know, I, I, I just think that uh, uh, what they'd get back for Brown now uh, wouldn't be as significant as what they could get later later on. I think you've got to wait. You've got to see how he produces, um, and then you have to see sort of how that contract plays out. So if he gets traded, I I would think that uh, uh, that it would be something that wouldn't happen uh, until uh, uh, not this February but next February. Kyrie complained about agendas earlier in that clip, and I can't help but wonder, and I don't want to accuse Jalen of anything. I I hope this isn't his mentality, but he's also a 23-year-old kid who can blame him. What are the chances that when this season begins here in a couple of weeks, he walks out on the floor and, and, you know, he's driven by that new contract because there's a lot of money that, that could be, you know, earned or lost depending on his performance even in that depleted market? It's impossible for a player, especially at that age, uh, and, and, and look, I mean, we're talking, he's making what six or 7 million bucks. It's not like, uh, uh, he's, uh, he's not poor, uh, you know, sh- no, right. He's not shaking down the couch looking for change or anything here. Uh, but, uh, but you know, to, to make that next step, you know, you only get so many contracts and if you're him, you have to be thinking about that. So, uh, there, there, it's impossible for a player in his position, uh, to not think about that. Uh, however, you know, the thing is, how do you do that within a team context? How do you do that, uh, within the context of what your coach still wants you to do? Uh, because they're not mutually exclusive. I mean, you know, Brad Stevens wants him to be aggressive when it's, when it's the time for him to be aggressive. He wants him to score, uh, when it's the time for him to score. You know, he wants him to take the right shots and make the right plays and, and, and be what he's capable of being on the defensive end. Uh, you know, that's, that's all that stuff is, uh, uh, is, is, is not going to hurt the Celtics. Uh, but you have to, you have to guard against, uh, you know, taking poor 17 foot pull up jumpers, uh, because you feel like you have to shoot and you feel like that's, that's the only time you're going to get that shot. So, uh, yeah, it, it's impossible, like I say, for, for Jalen not to think about that. But I, I, I do think it's possible for him to still do it within the team context. Here's the other thing, Sean. Only takes one, right? I mean, if if there's one thing that the Charlotte Hornets taught us this summer with Terry Rozier is that it's o- it only takes one. I mean, he went out, had a miserable year. I mean, just a terrible year. Such a step back from where he was the prior season. And that doesn't even factor in that, you know, he wasn't playing as much as, as he was and he was no longer in that number one role. Just the fact that he couldn't buy in or perform within the role off the bench that he was supposed to fill, backing up Kyrie Irving, he couldn't do it. He had a terrible year and goes out and, you know, basically shot his way out of Boston, even even as a free agent, complained about every little thing under the sun, did national interviews about it after the season, and still got paid way more money by the Hornets than anyone ever would have expected him to be paid, and not, and not a price Danny Ainge and the Celtics would have gone anywhere near had they seriously entertained bringing him back and Kemba Walker wasn't available. So, you know, all that being said, Jalen, 
again, just speaking to what the market looks like next year, he doesn't even need to go out and and be this this overly dominant player. He just has to go out, you said it before, kind of do his thing, and the money's going to be waiting for him. And, and you're absolutely right when you talk about the market like that, that, uh, you know, sometimes we, 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 we discuss the market, you know, us in the media and, and, and fans and, and even agents will do this. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and you have to remember that the market is just 30 guys, uh, you know, who have their own pressures. So, you know, Mitch Kupchak is, is in a process of losing Kemba Walker when he had an opportunity to trade him uh, and, and, and didn't do it. Uh, he, he lost uh, Frank Kaminsky, the team's number nine pick from a couple years ago, uh, without trading him. He had opportunities to trade him, didn't do it. Uh, you know, so he's he's really up against it with Michael Jordan as the owner of that franchise, and that franchise really just looking more and more like it's heading south. Uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, he's under pressure to bring in a star. So he pays Terry Rozier like a star in hopes of him actually becoming the <laughs> contract, you know, worth the contract that he just gave him. And, and it doesn't make any sense, but you have to put it in the context of, of where Mitch Kupchak was uh, at that point. And that's what the market is. You're right. That's what the market is. It's not necessarily uh, this, uh, uh, you know, this machine that, that, that determines fair value. That's uh, You throw the word fair right out. Uh, in terms of these things, because uh, uh, so much of it is is these external pressures that that uh, different people are under, uh, and that's what determines the market. And and you know, like I say, if you're Cleveland uh, and you're dying for, for for a star to build your team around, uh, and Jalen Brown is 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 a restricted free agent, you might be willing to give out that max contract, not because you think he's worth it, but because. You need somebody. You need to show your fans somebody. You're the general manager, Kobe Altman. You need to show the owner, Dan Gilbert. You need to show him something. Uh, and uh, so often that's how these things play out. You've mentioned Gordon Hayward a couple of times. To me, he's maybe the most fascinating player on this roster just because you truly have no idea which way this is going to go. He has spoken and blogged about feeling ready to be the guy that Boston signed. He wrote that Brad wanted to ease me into everything, make sure I was healthy last year. Now the reins are off. I'm ready to be the player I came here to be. That's my focus, that and raising a banner at the Garden. We had a little bit of fun on on last week's show. Uh, I think it was last week's show with Mark Murphy, and, and I basically outlined a couple of different scenarios. You know, what if he is just again, the guy he was last year. He's just, you know, Utah Hayward is 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 a, a memory of, of highlight reels on YouTube. We're never going to see it again. Obviously, the Celtics are then stuck with Gordon, and you wonder in year four what he's going to be. If he goes out and he's an all-star, you know, if, if, if he's exactly what he was that last year in Utah and now, a, you know, less than Eastern Conference compared to the West, and he's an all-star, and then you factor in, again, the free agent market – what are the chances that he opts out? You know, he thinks he could actually cash in after next year somewhere else and, and leaves. You know, no one thought Al Horford was going to opt out. He did, and he got paid way more than anyone expected. What if Gordon Hayward does the same thing? So Hayward is a giant X factor, not only for the success of this team, but just personally for him in his career and and where everything sort of fits because, you know, he could be coming off the bench for this team he could be starting for this team, and and we just don't really know. What do you expect? Yeah, I think I think that's exactly right. That uh, that you know, when you look at uh, the way last year developed, uh, it, it we just kept seeing these flashes, and you started to think, okay, you know, this is going to be. And then he turned around, and he and he and he kind of go back in the shell a little bit, uh, and and you saw these little signs of progress, and then and then regression, progress and regression, and it, and it really became. Uh, you know, difficult to figure out what exactly you were going to get, you know, and, and you saw it in the playoffs, you know, I mean, he, he, he really did show, uh, I think in the second half of the season that he was, he was much more aggressive. The numbers bear this out. He was much more aggressive going to the hoop, uh, drawing fouls, uh, took far more shots at the rim uh, down the stretch and that all kind of disappeared in the playoffs. And, and uh, so, you know, it, it, it's really hard to, uh, it's really hard to pinpoint where he's going to be. Um, you know, is it just a matter of confidence? Uh, and if it is a matter of confidence, 
And should it have really taken two years, you, you know, the, from, from the time of the injury uh, till now to, 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 to get that confidence back? And, and, and is that a concern that, <laughs> that, that it did take that long? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's that, look, there's more questions than answers uh, on, uh, on Gordon Hayward. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, as far as expectations, I expect him to be better than he was last year. Um, I expect him to be uh, certainly more consistent. Um, you know, I think they still have the same problem that you mentioned before, where they have three, uh, you know, top-tier wings who, who do a lot of the same things. They're, they're different players, but they do a lot of the same things. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I still find a way – I still expect them to find a way uh, to make that work uh, and, uh, and, and to get Gordon to be productive again. I don't think he'll be Utah Gordon Hayward, though. I think we're looking at, you know, 15 points – um, you know, four rebounds. I think the assists will be interesting because I, I, the way it's shaping up, he's essentially going to be the backup point guard, I believe. Um, and uh, and and so if he can if he can average, you know, four and a half, five, five and a half assists, uh, that's going to be huge for them. Uh, so yeah, you know, I, I, there's going to be some opportunities there uh, for him to show that he's back. I just don't think necessarily uh, that we're going to see, uh, you know, 19 points and, and, and the kind of numbers that we saw in Utah. Jason Tatum didn't necessarily take a step back last year. He certainly did with regard to his shooting efficiency, but he played more. So the volume stats went up. So you can look at it, carve it out however you want. He likes to say that, that he was better last year because his numbers were better. You take a you know closer look, obviously, that wasn't the case, which is why I say he didn't take a step back. He just he didn't really take a step forward. He was kind of stagnant to where he was as a rookie. But many believe, and he certainly believes, he's poised for a breakout year here in year three. The ankle's fine after the World Cup competition, according to Brad Stevens. Tatum has said that his goal, after you know feeling slighted by his 2K ratings, his goal is to average 20 and to be an all-star. I do think he's going to be an all-star. I, I've always thought that highly of him. I don't know about the 20 points her game part at least yet but how about you what do you think about Tatum here in year three yeah you know I think I think Tatum I, I, when you look at what he did last year uh it, it really does remind me a lot of of Donovan Mitchell in mm. uh in Utah I think they're sort of in the same boat uh where they they, they, they both kind of made the impression that they made early on uh and then and you could say the same for Ben Simmons you know that that those three guys who who had such great rookie years and, and showed so much promise didn't really make big step steps forward in uh, in year two. Um, so it's not it, it's really not that uncommon. Uh, but year three is definitely the year that uh, uh, that that most of these guys are expected to take those steps forward. Uh, I you know I think much of what I think frustrated people about Tatum last year was shot selection. Um, that, uh, that, 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 you know, when you look at the numbers, uh, that, that you're right, that, or that he's right, that, uh, uh, that the numbers weren't terrible, but I think that you could see that, that the, the shot selection wasn't where it needed to be, especially early in the year. So, um, you know, if he gets that sort of taken care of, if he gets some chemistry with Kemba Walker, uh, if you kind of establish that, that Tatum is going to be your number two option, then, then I think he's going to be in a position to really, uh, uh, to take that step forward, I think you know, eighteen, nineteen points a game is is something that uh, uh, that's that, that that's probable for him. Uh, we'll see exactly how it plays out, but uh, I agree. You know, twenty points game on this roster probably going to be uh, not not something that's going to be uh, uh, doable for him. But uh, uh, but I'd expect that uh, you know that he can get in the eighteen point range. So let's circle back. I guess we'll go full circle because we'll end with this. Brad Stevens has been you know, hammering the drum that he's ready to move past last season. He's talked about that for a long while now, hopes to see a group that is is now less selfish than it was last year. Again, fewer agendas, all of that. Does he have the right mix now? The fact that, you know, this team is, everyone believes, is is could be just as good as last year, not last year's ceiling, but what last year's reality was. You know, could win 50 games, it, it could go a couple rounds potentially in the Eastern Conference. It should be a hell of a lot more fun to watch than last year's, but uh, it's going to be, at least the bench is going to be really reliant on young, inexperienced, or new players. It's just a it's a totally different dynamic where last year you could argue that seven, eight, nine different guys could conceivably start on your team. This team isn't that. 
but this team is set up more like a traditional team, just with a, a thinner bench in terms of talent. Is this the right mix? It's going to start with Kemba Walker. Uh, you know, he's he, he's really the the the, uh, the X factor here in terms of uh, how does he replace Kyrie Irving? Um, is he the volume shooter that he was in Charlotte, or can he be more of a playmaker? Um, you know, I think he's going to be willing to try to be more of a playmaker, but that's it's really not something he had to do much uh, in 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 Charlotte find that balance because he was the offense. Uh, so, you know, now to come in and to be able to uh, to feed the guys who are going to need points, Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, to, to find them and, and make sure they get their opportunities while still getting your, uh, you know, 16, 17 shots a game, whatever it's going to be for Kemba, uh, you know, that's going to be the real, that's going to be the real trick for them. Uh, so I think that's number one. I think number two is how do you replace Al Horford, uh, you know, is, is, is uh, uh, Ennis Cantor. Uh, going to do that, of course, uh, uh, certainly not on the defensive end. Uh, you know, that's 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 the presence that they're really going to miss. So, um, you know, I, the, the talent is there to win, you know, in the high 40s, maybe even get to 50 wins. Uh, but, uh, but but I think you do have to look at uh, the reality that uh, that this isn't a championship-caliber team and, and probably can't hang with Philadelphia uh, in Milwaukee when it comes time to, uh, uh, to win in the playoffs. It's going to be interesting. We'll see if this is a season where, uh, you know, last year the biggest concern was will the Celtics underachieve? They did. This year it's can they overachieve again as they have so many times under Brad Stevens. Season begins October 23rd against the Sixers. It's right around the corner. First preseason game. That's on Sunday against the Hornets. So, Sean, I know I'll be bugging you quite a bit as, as we get, uh, you know, into the season and, and we'll keep doing this. I always appreciate when you come on. Thank you, Adam. Sean Devney from Heavy.com. Thanks to Sean once again for joining us, and uh, I hope you learned a lot, gave you a lot to think about at the very least. As far as Media Day, once again, we'll get to those reflections in our next show right around the corner with another fun special guest plan. We'll get to all of that coming up in uh, the coming days, but, you know, for now, appreciate you pivoting with us. Special Monday release as opposed to Sunday, just accommodating different things with regard to the network, but this show, as always, is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Hopefully you learned a thing or two from Dave Mason earlier in the program as well. So thanks to Sean, thanks to Dave, thanks to Evan, to Nick, to Larry, John, everybody else, thanks most especially to you for always paying attention to us here at CLNS Media and allowing the Celtics to still just be part of the different things that you have on your radar with the Red Sox just ending. The Revolution made the playoffs. If you're a soccer nut, the Patriots are still perfect. And of course, Bruins dropped the puck on their season this week. So this is this is a busy time on the sports calendar as uh, Boston is concerned and anywhere else as well. Again, appreciate you joining us. Always a pleasure. Find me on Twitter at Adam M. Kaufman. We'll do what we do. It'll probably get obnoxious, but hey, we're here. We're having a good time. Subscribe to CLNS. Subscribe to the Celtics Beat Podcast. Get us on iTunes, get us on YouTube, we're all over the place. We want to hear from you, we want to hear from Gino, and we don't want to hear from me anymore until the next show. Bye-bye.